Good morning, everyone. Welcome to the final day of our retreat and of our practice period. You know, we've been at this for a long time. Um, what have we given, Mike? Is this uh, eight or nine talks, something like that? Uh, what a joy to be able to do this. So thank you all for the opportunity for us to come together and study this way. So before I talk about what I'm going to talk about, I'd like to talk about what I'm not going to talk about. Um, you know, Mike yesterday did this great job summarizing the eight realizations of the great beings. Uh, so I'm not going to do that again. But I do want to add one little bit from my own experience, from my own practice. And, and that's this, that of all the realizations, they all inter-are, just as Michael described to us yesterday, they all inter-are. But there's one that plays a special role. And the one that plays a special role is ignorance. In my view, ignorance is the key that unlocks all of the other realizations. And, and Mike yesterday gave us a, a great definition of ignorance, which is a lack of curiosity. And I think I chose a little bit different words when I talked about it um, earlier on in the practice period as a failure to investigate. But I really like the way Mike talked about it as a lack of curiosity. There's a certain funness in being curious that might not be there for investigation. So I, I really like, I like that word. So if ignorance is a failure to be curious, the question is, well, a failure to be curious about what? And ignorance is a failure to be curious about our true nature, about our interbeing. So instead of investigating this, we're stuck in the delusion that we are a separate self. And this is really key because all of the other realizations flow from this almost universal human mistake of ignorance. And that is failing to see that we are an interbeing, not just a human being. So I'm just going to quickly go through each one of those realizations and show how ignorance gives rise to the other realizations. So because we don't see the timeless nature of our true self, our separate self fears impermanence. That's the first realization. Impermanence only exists because we don't see the timeless nature of our true self. That's why we fear it. Okay, the second and seventh realizations are both about desire. So because we don't see that our true self is already whole and complete, our separate self desires more and more and more. So the third one, because we don't touch the peace of interbeing, our mind is always searching outside itself and never feels fulfilled. And the fourth, because ignorance constricts our mind, we become indolent. We don't do anything. We're constricted. 
in the sixth, because we don't see that everyone shares the same true nature, then we go about creating systems of oppression and poverty designed to benefit me. That's the sixth realization, poverty. And then the eighth realization, because we don't see the timeless nature of our true self, our separate self trembles with fear of death. That's the eighth. So that's been my experience with this, is that if I unlock ignorance for myself, if I pay close attention to how ignorance plays out, the other realizations have a way of solving themselves. So, you know, if you're, if you're looking for a place to start to really get a hold on this sutra, you might want to focus on ignorance. Because I, it's my experience that ignorance is the key to unlocking the other seven. And my hope is that at some point we'll take up the study of the 12 links of dependent arising, which really goes into some detail about how ignorance really is the core to our suffering. But that's another, another practice period, maybe another lifetime, who knows. All right, so now on to what I want to talk about. <clears throat> on the, the very first um, talk that Mike and I did, my, my portion of that talk, I simply plucked out one word from the introduction to the, to the sutra. That word was wholeheartedly. I focused all my attention on that one word. And I want to do something similar now. I want to pluck out of the last three paragraphs of the sutra. Two words, Dharmakaya boat, and talk about Dharmakaya boat. Talk about what it means to sail the Dharmakaya boat to the shore of Nirvana. You know, it, it might mean nothing to us right now. So it, I, I really want to tell the tale of sailing the Dharmakaya boat to the shore of Nirvana and returning free of suffering. Let me read the last three paragraphs of the sutra. And we've been focusing on each of the paragraphs that talk about one of the realizations, but there's three paragraphs at the end. So please listen. These eight realizations are the discoveries of great beings, Buddhas and Bodhisattvas, who have practiced diligently the way of understanding and love. They have sailed the Dharmakaya boat to the shore of Nirvana and have then returned to the ordinary world, free of the five sensual desires, their minds and hearts directed toward the noble way. Using these eight realizations, they help all beings recognize the suffering in the world. If disciples of the Buddha recite and meditate on these eight realizations, they will put an end to countless misunderstandings and difficulties and progress toward enlightenment, leaving behind the world of birth and death, dwelling forever in peace.
So I want to talk to you heart to heart and body to body. You know, in the part about what I wasn't going to talk about, we were talking mind to mind, which is wonderful. But now let's talk heart to heart and body to body. So our study of the eight realizations has taken us on a great journey. We prepared for this journey by learning the history of the Sutra, which Michael talked about, how it was born on the Silk Road centuries ago. And then we began the journey by making an aspiration to bring ourselves wholeheartedly to the Sutra. To study the Sutra, but more deeply, to let the Sutra study us. And as we traveled this journey, we looked at the eight realizations discovered by great beings. We saw them as potholes encountered by everyone who walks the path of understanding and love. And hopefully along the way, we learn ways to transform those potholes for ourselves. So today we'll arrive back home again and we'll explore the metaphor of sailing the Dharmakaya boat to the shore of Nirvana. And this is a metaphor that the Sutra uses to talk about the liberation we find when we embark on the great journey of our practice. So I'd like to talk a little bit about what a Dharmakaya boat is. That's not a word we come across in our daily um, life. So let's take the word apart. Uh, dharma and Kaya are the two elements of the word. So Dharma, we hear that word a lot. And, um, and it has many meanings. Sometimes we see Dharma spelled with a capital D. When we see it like that, it means the teachings, the body of wisdom that's been transmitted to us by our ancestors. And when we see the Dharma word Dharma written with a lowercase d, it means all things. Everything is a Dharma. You are a dharma. The computer you're sitting at is a dharma. The blowing wind is a dharma. Everything is a dharma. So with a meaning that broad, let's, let's focus in on what, what is actually pertinent to us today. What meaning of dharma is important? And the, the word dharma literally translated from Sanskrit means that which upholds. That which upholds holds. So that which upholds includes both those senses of Dharma that I mentioned, the teaching and all things. They uphold us. So the Dharma in this sense that I'm interested in today is that which upholds all things. The Dharma as the foundation of everything. The Dharma as our true nature. 
the Dharma as all things interbeing. So this sense of Dharma as foundation, as that which is upholding us. Now, kaya is much, much simpler. Kaya simply translates as body. Body. So the dharma body, dharma kaya, is that which comes forth to uphold. The dharma body, or dharma kaya, is that which comes forth to uphold. So your body is a dharma body. It upholds you. It makes it possible for you to be present. Everything that exists around us is a Dharma body. It is the whole manifesting in the particular, and it's each particular expressing the whole. So it's kind of kind of a heady concept. Uh, maybe difficult to grasp. But the Heart Sutra makes an attempt at this. The Heart Sutra says, form is emptiness, emptiness is form. This is describing what a Dharmakaya is, what a Dharma body is. Okay, so that's kind of heady stuff. But it gives us a foundation from which to work today. So if we know that that's what Dharmakaya means, then the Dharmakaya boat we can think of as the vehicle that manifests to support our awakening. Dharmakaya boat is the vehicle that manifests to support our awakening. The whole universe has created this Dharmakaya boat to take us to the shore of Nirvana. The whole universe conspired together for you to create the Dharmakaya boat for you this precious, precious gift. So the Dharmakaya boat is this gift of the whole universe that's given to you to support you, and it's the whole universe coming forward with generosity. So that's what a Dharmakaya boat is. It's what has been created for you to wake up. Now here comes the heart-to-heart -heart part. What I'd like to do is something really different than a normal Dharma talk. What I'd like to do is tell the story of your Dharmakaya boat and tell the story of you sailing the Dharmakaya boat to the shore of Nirvana. This is personal, heart-to-heart, body-to-body. So I'd like to suggest that you settle into meditation and that you allow my words to come into your heart and into your body where you can sense them. And as, my, as I speak these words, these words could be your own heart speaking to you, describing what is happening right now in your life. You're already a great being, and this is the story of your greatness, the story of your liberation. 
So the sutra says, the great beings have sailed the Dharmakaya boat to the shore of Nirvana and have then returned to the ordinary world, free of the five sensual desires, their minds and hearts directed toward the noble way. Hear your story. Imagine that you're on the shore of a large body of water, living a typical human life. Stranded, cut off, unaware of life's beauty and freedom. Like all other people, you're struggling against yourself and others. You're living on the shore of suffering. You're living on the shore of samsara. You've heard stories about another shore, a shore called Nirvana. You hear that it's a place of peace and freedom, full of beauty, fresh air, temperate climate, green trees. On the shore of Nirvana, there's enough for everyone. No need to struggle against anyone or anything. One day, as you're walking along the shore of Samsara, you come across a beautiful boat. This boat, it's made of fragrant hardwoods you've never seen before. Its sails are made of silk, light and strong. Its lines are golden. The boat's oars are so expertly carved that they feel as smooth as velvet. There is something deeply attractive about this boat. Just looking at it, you feel inspired and hopeful. In fact, you feel compelled to step aboard and sail away from this shore of suffering. A thought arises, do I deserve this? Another thought arises, surely this boat belongs to someone. And if I climb aboard, I will be punished. So you stand there in indecision. And as you look around, you see a woman sitting nearby. A woman who has a kind smile. And she's offering you her full, undivided, loving attention. As your eyes meet, she bows and she motions for you, take the boat, take the boat. This, this for me, this gift? Yes. She says wordlessly, it's for you. Take it. 
So you climb aboard the boat and you row away from the shore. The first thing you experience is a sense of victory. Aha, I win. Everybody else is stuck back there on the shore of Samsara, but I get this beautiful boat. It's all mine. Mine, mine, mine. So you decide to put as much distance between you and that shore as possible. And you row, and you row with all your strength until that shore fades away and you put in so much effort getting away from the shore of suffering that you fall asleep exhausted. Exhausted. When you wake up, you don't know where you are. The shore you left is far behind and your destination is not in view. You don't know what else to do, so you begin to row. You dip the oars in the water and pull, hour after hour, day after day. And as you row, you begin to see that the suffering you thought you left on the shore of Samsara has joined you in the Dharmakaya boat. In fact, it's actually worse because there are no distractions. There is nowhere to hide out on the featureless expanse of water. Nowhere to run. You notice that dark shapes are beginning to circle your Dharmakaya boat in the water. You grow concerned. And these dark shapes reveal themselves as frightening monsters rising up out of the shadowy depths. And they scrape ominously against the hull of your beautiful Dharmakaya boat. Well, first, of course, you just try to ignore them. But with nothing to distract you, these monsters are inescapable. Inescapable. So you do what you've usually done. You get angry. You get angry. You start screaming at these monsters and yelling at them to go away. I don't want you. Go away. When that doesn't work, you turn the beautiful silken oars into weapons and you begin to beat and stab at those monsters, hoping to kill them. When that doesn't work, when you can't drive them off, you climb the mast in fear and you wrap yourself in the silken sails and you yell, why me? But the more you fight, the stronger the monsters seem to become until they threaten to capsize this beautiful refuge of the Dharmakaya boat. You notice that no matter how many monsters appear or how great your fear becomes, 
the boat always keeps you safe. When the monsters are schools of small monsters around you, everywhere, the boat becomes nimble and quick. And when the huge monsters surface and threaten the boat, the boat becomes broad and stable. So here you sit, surrounded by monsters, in the Dharmakaya boat, day after day, week after week. You lose track of time, but you begin to settle into a sense of safety that the Dharmakaya boat offers. And in this safety, you soften bit by bit. Become curious about these monsters. You see that maybe you can do something different in the way you relate to them. So when the fearful creatures come to visit, you try meekly at first saying, hello, my monsters, I, I know that you're there. If you'd like to speak, I'm here to listen. And one by one, these deep sea monsters surface to tell their stories. And you see that each monster is none other than you. Each monster is the pain and suffering of your life and of the lives before your life. You'd banished each of these experiences, each monster to the depths, pushed it deep out of sight, learned to fear its emergence. And as you invite each monster into your Dharmakaya boat, they tell their story. You hold them tenderly in your arms and you listen. You hold them like a baby. And tears flow as you welcome them into the light, transforming these monstrous fears into understanding and love. When you stepped in to the Dharmakaya boat, you thought that the shore of Nirvana would be a place free from fear, free from these monsters. But now, you see that what you called monsters are none other than you. You see that what awaits you on the shore of Nirvana isn't some walled garden where difficulty has been banned. No. Instead, it's a place of wholeness. A place where you lay down your battles and live life as it is with no resistance. The shore of Nirvana is a place where mud and lotus, rose and compost live in harmony. This realization, this heart opening, brings you deep peace. You see that everything you ever desired is already here right now. There is nowhere to go. There is nowhere to run from. 
there is no destination to reach. You have already arrived. So resting in this realization, you begin to live. You breathe the air. You drink the rainwater. You row the boat. A destination just feels less important now than putting your whole self into rowing and sailing. When it's calm, you are the rowing. Pulling those over. When it's breezy, you are the sails. You are the tiller. You have arrived. You are home in the here and in the now. You are solid. You are free. And in the ultimate, you dwell. For the first time in your life, you are alive. One day, as you sail the Dharmakaya boat in a fair breeze, land appears in the distance. The first land you've seen since you rowed away from the shore of suffering. Birds fly out and circle your boat welcoming you. The land, it looks lush and beautiful and inviting. You think, is this the shore of Nirvana? As you approach the shore, you recognize this place. You see familiar sights that remind you of the shore you left behind long ago. Could this be the shore I left? Yes, it is the very shore. The shore is unchanged, but you are changed. Where you once looked at that shore and saw suffering to run from, now you see suffering to care for. Where once you saw that shore as a place where you were locked in battle, with others. Now you see those others as yourself. Where once you looked at that shore and your heart was consumed by competition, your heart now responds with compassion. You have arrived you know now that the shore of samsara and the shore of nirvana are the same shore. The same shore. You land your dharmakaya boat at the exact spot where you found it. And waiting on the bank is the woman who urged you to take the boat and make it your own. You sit down together, side by side, wordlessly, and cry tears of gratitude together. How fortunate that you found the Dharmakaya boat 
How fortunate. What could be more important than helping others now find it as well? What could be more joyful than helping all beings sail their own Dharmakaya boat? So when you see a young woman walking along the shore of suffering, pause near the Dharmakaya boat, admiring it, looking around with uncertainty just as you did, you and the woman you're sitting near both bow and in silently invite her to make the Dharmakaya boat her own. The Concentration Our hearts are At peace A half smile is born upon our This is a new day, we vow to go through it in mindfulness. The Son of Wisdom has now risen, Sangha diligently bring our mind into meditation. Namo Shakyamunaye
This is the story of sailing the Dharmakaya boat to the shore of Nirvana. This is your story. You are already in the Dharmakaya boat. You are already sailing. This Dharmakaya boat came just for you. This Dharma body is precious. Please hold it with gratitude. Thank you all.